This is your favorite space, or soon will be, for faith, art, and the perspective only those millennials can give. And if cocoa butter, Egyptian musk, and wisps of vanilla and a hint of motions had a sound, this episode on Black History Month would be it. And it starts right now. Welcome inside the Light Chasing Studio. Have a seat on the couch. I have two other lovely leading ladies with me. I got complex simplicity and embrace. I'm your girl, Trisha Alicia. How y'all doing, ladies? I'm wonderful. I'm well. Yo, yo. (laughs) Yes. Family, buckle in tight as we drop these gems from behind the mic and chase some light. On this beautiful episode, we are melanating it up sprinkling a heavy dose of brown sugar and a whole cup of molasses Mm. as we discuss black history it is february yes it is we are a diversified bunch of people and artists yes so we're going to talk about our subjects of expertise i am talking about music embrace is talking about (laughs) i didn't know if i was going to finish that sentence you paused i was like oh i guess i'm supposed to talk yeah, I'm going to talk about um, one of my, well, an actress and a writer-director. Mm, yeah. Complex. Um, I'm talking about a writer who happens to be a director and an um, <laughs> actress, but I admire her for her writing. And then I'm also talking about a poet, obviously. So, mm. yay. All right. Let me just say this before we jump off into our respective spaces and places. We are a place of faith. We are women of faith. And Embrace probably remembers this. Several years ago, we had Dr. Walter McRae. He's out of he's a black theologian out of Chicago. And he has a series of books called The Black Presence in the Bible. Yeah. Um, he came down to Nashville and gave like a weekend's worth of seminar. It really I felt like it was like a semester's worth, but just in like a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And so in honor of the black presence in the Bible, I do want to talk about some notable people who were black. Can I? So Noah. Can I just say, I just want one little quick segue from that because something just came to mind when you mentioned him in that weekend. Um, I did grab some of his books, <laughs> but my daughter, she I don't remember how old she was at the time. She was young, but she was sitting in one of the classes with me and I kind of like whispered over to her. I was like, Jayla, did you know like the people that we were talking in the Bible um, that they're black? She was like, mom, they were from Africa, yes. And I'm like, oh, well, excuse me. She like, it's like, where did the Bible take place at, girl? Like, listen, I thought that was really cute and funny. Like, she was like, it was almost like, uh, yeah, where you been, mom? Where have you been? But yeah, no. She's like, this is breaking news for one <laughs> right? of us, and it's not. And that's me. not me, right? Just saying, right? <laughs> it was so funny. Oh man. Anyway, back to Noah. My bad. Yeah. So Noah, he um, Noah's son Ham, fathered Cush. So if you don't know, like, there's this whole thing where they're like, "Oh, black people came from Ham in the Bible," um, and you can go look that up on your own time. But Noah's son Ham fathered Cush, and he fathered uh, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. But Cush 
is the ancestor of Zephaniah, and he is one of the only prophets that has a book in the Bible and is black. So there you go. Boom. It's a short book, but I like to think that he was impactful. You know, it don't take a lot of words to be impactful. Amen. All right. So who wants to go first? Would y'all like me to go first? Do y'all want to go first? How you want to do this? It doesn't matter. I can. Okay, why don't you go I, I, I mean, race? yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to talk about this Oscar-nominated writer and director. I think she's great. She's an activist, um, and y'all know her work. Her name is Gina Prince Blythewood. Her, I will say just a few things like prior to her major work, but she started working in the film industry when she was 22 years old on her favorite show. Like she ended up being a writer on her favorite show, which was A Different World, where she also met her yeah. husband as a, he was also a writer on the show at the time. Um, still together, by the way, Black Love. Woo -woo. This is also Valentine's, uh, I mean, like m the month of love. But um, yes. Man, the whole year of love, whatever. So anyway, back to the story. Wow. <laughs> so her goal really was to be a director. So she's like, man, these people are not going to give me any sh any movies to direct. I have no experience. I'm young. I'm 22. These people are not going to give it to me. So after uh, so many years of working on the uh, on the set as a writer, she quit the job and took a year. She's like, I'm going to take a year off and I'm just going to write. I'm going to write something that I can direct. Do y'all know what she wrote? She took this year, turned into about a year and a half, but she wrote something that was, was being turned down by all these um, film companies. No one was accepting it. No one wanted to back it, but she finally got her yes. And that movie today is Love and Basketball. If you what? didn't know it, so. Right. Love yeah, it, no. love it. Um, So. The iconic <laughs> Right. It's so awesome. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I'm sure anybody who's listening has seen that movie. But anyway, um, a, a few other uh, films that she wrote and directed was Beyond the Lights. I don't know if y'all seen that. She hmm. uh, directed Disappearing Act. She didn't write it, but she uh, directed it. She uh, directed The Secret Life of the Bees. Um, her and her husband oh. were the creator of the TV show Shots Fired. But this was one of the greatest things that, she did she was the first black woman to direct a major comic book movie i don't know if y'all seen the old guard but the old guard is like an action thriller and it's really really good it's so like good. i saw it it is so good and i i was like she did that like you better direct right. sis but one of the things that um you notice in all of her films and all of her writing and is about women they're centered around black women mm -hmm. if you really look at it she likes to tell black stories specifically black women's stories she said when she was a kid she would watch movies and tv and she would never see anybody who reflected she never seen her reflection in any of the characters or any of the stories and she felt invisible mm -hmm. that was her words that she used she's like i felt invisible she was already adopted um you know she's mm -hmm. already mixed she was adopted by a white family so she didn't look like anybody so on top of the fact I got to learn my, I have to kind of find my identity. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what she does. And she's an activist and I just love her. Like, she's so cool. Like she kind of remind me of Kale's personality a little bit, like as far as her, like chill kind of vibes, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, mm -hmm. I got this, you know, I got, like I got this, <laughs> but she's so humble though. Like she's super cool. Like, like I know her, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But anyway, <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, um, she did some other stuff too, but 
that's just kind of some things that I just want to throw out there. I don't want to be all long-winded about it. One of the things she did say that I will quote, she said, film and television is so powerful. It can literally change the world. It can change the perception of a person and how you view yourself and how you view others. Um, so, And give the name one more time in case somebody came in. In case you came in midstream, her name is Gina Prince Blythewood. You have to look her up, uh, known especially for love and basketball. But anyways, moving on, because I don't want to be um, taking up too much of your time. It's very precious, guys. Uh, the next person, well, first I'll say this. If you know me, like if you really, really, for real, for real know me, you know that I've been dealing with some difficult things in my personal life recently, and well, lately. Um, and my therapy has literally been Jesus and the Jeffersons, which is why I chose this next person. <laughs> I can't <laughs> <not say that. laughs> Yes. So um, this woman is, she's full of wit. She's an American film, stage and television actress and comedian. But she was the first, first black woman to win a lead actress Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. This was back in 1981. She's still the only person who's ever won that in that category. Mm. This black woman, this um, actress, her name is Isabel Sanford, and she is most known for her role in the Jeffersons as George Jefferson's wife, which her name was Louise. He called her Wheezy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I know y'all probably thinking she was the first. Wait a minute. Hold up. What happened to Viola Davis? Okay. So Viola Davis, she was the first um, black woman to win an Emmy for best lead actress in a drama. Mm. And that was, you know, how to get away with murder. Get straight. And then y'all probably like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold up. Because Lena Waithe, hold up. She, she also made history. She was the first black woman to win a comedy I'm sorry, to win um, for comedy writing. She won an Emmy for comedy writing. So, yes. Oh. And that was um, in A Master of None, like in a, one of the episodes. But I got to give also a shout out to my girl Zendaya. <laughs> She's the yeah. She's youngest ever, the youngest ever to win an Emmy for outstanding lead actress in a drama series. So she was second to Viola Davis in the drama category. But she was the youngest ever. And she's a young black girl. She's Get it. She's Get it. Okay. And that was for Euphoria. So go watch Euphoria. But Regina King and um, who is it? Alfred Woodard. They're the other two. But they're the ones that have the most, mm-hmm. the most Emmys um, for Outstanding Lead Actress in like a limited series or movie. So shout out to Regina King and Alfred Woodard as well. But I want to say this because... It's only a few that I named out of all these years. It hasn't really been popular to be a a woman in film and especially a black woman in film. We don't, they don't tell our stories and we're not the leads in a lot of things. So people Mm -hmm. like Gina making, paving the way that was, you know, amazing in the sense of writing and directing. So Viola Davis in her acceptance speech said this, and I think this is powerful as, you know, as why we're, we're so limited. Um, she said, and let me tell you something. The only thing, and I, I'm not saying it like her, but this is how I'm saying it in my head. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity. You, mm. you cannot win an Emmy for roles that are simply not there. Mm. And 
I'm gonna pass it on. Pass the mic. I'm dropping the mic right there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, you know, I didn't even talk about Isabel that much. Okay, y'all, just real quick. She's in the Jeffersons. You already know that. She was in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. She was in All in the Family. Y'all know that racist um, comedy sitcom. Mm-hmm. It was actually really funny, though. But that's where they did a spinoff to get the Jeffersons, which she did not want to do. She was like, wait a minute. I'm already successful in All in the Family. I'm a Virgo. I don't need no change. But <laughs> so they had to tell her, like, you don't know. Like, these people really love you out here. And she's like, mm, I don't know about that. Ended up getting to Jefferson and was the queen. Okay, that's where she won this. Yay. She won that. And that's how everybody looked at her. All her cast members and all their interviews are like, she's the queen. She's the queen. She was first, um, what do you call it? Um, like, recognized from James Baldwin's Broadway play, oh. uh, The A-Man Corner. And Sidney Poitier was in the, Cindy, the, one, yeah. the one film you mentioned, right? Sydney yeah. Poitier. Rest in peace. Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. But, okay. Well, how much time do I have? Do I have one more? <laughs> I sound like a pastor. I'm about to wrap this up, but <laughs> wait, wait. Okay. I just think this was funny. This is, this is, I promise it's the last thing I have to say because <laughs> in Isabel's acceptance speech, she got all the way up on that stage. Mind you, she was the first black woman to win yeah. this award. She got up on that stage and she was like, at last. And the whole well, crowd was like in a roar, like it meant something. And I'm sure a lot of people were like, that's so empowering. But the real story behind that at last is she got nominated seven times before that. So she was like in the back, like, you know what? I'm about to just go ahead and eat this little piece of cheese off this oh tray because I know they're not right. about to call my name because I've been through this before mm-hmm. seven times already before. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm about to just act. I'm going to play this wow. cool, calm and collected and just eat this cheese and act like it don't bother me. Yeah. Girl, chewing the cheese. Now they calling her name and she's trying to like chew it as she's walking <laughs> up and she finally gets it down. And that's why she says at last. But it was definitely a double meaning there. Wow. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> All right, quick story break. I had a a beautiful opportunity to work for a nonprofit, and I remember um, uh, the the position that I was doing one year was an election based position, and that was a terrible campaign season for me, just because of uh, some haters. Let's call it spade a spade. I was trying to be gracious. <laughs> I'm gonna call it what it is. And so I had no idea what was going to happen similar to what you were talking about. So I was like, you know what? These people were real successful with like how they ran their smear campaign. And um, it was crazy. And then when they called my name, I was just like, whoa, like, yeah. So I, when you were telling that story, I was instantaneously transported back to when I had that similar experience it wasn't the same at all (laughs) any stretch of the imagination but I could I could feel the tension as though I was living it again based on what you just shared yeah so I will go if you don't mind complex by all means I had some questions I was going to ask um embrace but you kind of covered the gambit oh so I appreciate you being thorough well amen I we're going we're gonna to kind of walk through uh, Black music history, and we're going to start way back with a um, fairly unknown, if you don't know, Black gospel music history um, pastor and pastor by diverse congregation um, in the 1800s at that. It's, it's Pastor Charles Tindley. But 
in addition to him being a pastor and that that church doing great work in the community, he wrote hymns. And so it's really interesting because he didn't have a high school degree. I mean, sorry, he didn't have a college degree, but he learned Hebrew, he learned Greek. And like I said, he was a pastor and he served um, in several parishes. But one of the songs that he wrote, and he wrote like a lot of hymns that you remember, but one of the ones that he wrote was I'll Overcome Someday which we all know in the civil rights movement was the song that was the basis of We Shall Overcome. And I just think that's so powerful because he was in the 1800s, the civil rights movement was in the 1960s. And he had the this song that was poised and ready to equip a whole generation to carry a movement forward. Now, there's that. I'll Overcome Someday, which transitioned into We Shall Overcome. But he also wrote By and By, and he wrote Stand By Me. And the Hmm. cool thing about Stand By Me is that the Blind Boys of Alabama sung it, and they sung it for their, I think, for their induction to the Gospel uh, Music Hall of Fame. And if you don't know who the Blind Boys of Alabama are, they were literally blind. But similar to Ray Charles, they had an amazing music career. And then they were also just like super talented. So Tinley, uh, Pastor Tinley inspired all of those hymns and all of those recreations, but he super inspired Thomas Dorsey. So Mm. again, if you know anything about black music, Thomas Dorsey is like thought of as the father of black music. Mm -hmm. Pivot slightly for um, academia purposes. When people talk about Socrates and Plato and they talk about all these Greek philosophers, they gained a lot of their knowledge from African uh, philosophers. They went to Africa because if you look at history, Europe was in the Middle Ages, Africa was building. So, you know, anyway, you got to always go back to who learned, who taught who. Where, who, what, what feet were they sitting at when they got this knowledge? So Thomas Dorsey was greatly inspired um, by Pastor Tinley. And so we think of Thomas Dorsey as like the father of modern black gospel music. His father was a, was a um, Baptist preacher, but his mother was a pianist. And so he started to learn a lot about music and a lot about communicating faith. Now, what you may not know is that he was the lead of Ma Rainey's band. So if you like the blues and you know Ma Rainey's music, that's why you like gospel probably because it was the same guy (laughs) who's coming out of the same soul. Uh, So you have... Thomas Dorsey. And if you don't know who Thomas Dorsey is, he wrote Precious Lord, Take My Hand. So that's like his, that's, I mean, everybody knows that song. It's been sung everywhere. Take my hand, leave me on. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm I'm the actress. Go ahead, singer. (laughs) (laughs) But she is a singer in real life. Um, That part. It's interesting because a lot of these songs were birthed in very hard situation. So he wrote that song after losing his wife in childbirth. And then a couple of days later, the son actually passed away too. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a hymn like it as well, it's written from that deep heart wrenching place of having lost a spouse and a child. And like, you know, a person's world is literally torn apart. And then they pen these hymns, which is, whew, yes. that is Jesus working through you because yes. man, So, okay, he wrote that song. Um, Thomas Dorsey also worked alongside of Mahalia Jackson, which 
We all know her voice. Now, it's really, really interesting. She had a quote um, because she used to sing a lot to raise money for civil rights. Um, If you ever saw any one of James Brown's movies, they talked about how he would also perform and, and get people to stand up and be active in the civil rights movement. Mahalia Jackson said, I sing God's music because it makes me feel free. And then she added, it gives me hope. With the blues, when you finish, you still have the blues. Mm. I thought that that was beautiful. Yes. Um, the other cool thing about Dorsey is that he established the first black gospel publishing company. And he also founded um, the National Convention of Gospel Choruses and Choirs. So, I mean, he has a lot that he's contributed to the musical community and the black gospel music community in specificity. And if you think about how Ma Rainey's sound influenced other genres, you could really say that he was the tipping point or the linchpin that the sounds of later generations hung on. You also have uh, Cleveland Derricks and he had a signature um, musical style and he has that song, Just a Little Talk with Jesus, right? Just a little talk with Jesus, tell him all about your troubles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. if you Google it, you've probably heard it in like strains of cartoons or you've heard it in the in the background of your favorite movie and never knew when they had a church scene and probably <laughs> right. never knew <laughs> what the song was. Shout out to Tennessee because he was born in Chattanooga. So um, <laughs> we're going to scroll on down just a little bit through time because I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the likes of a Kirk Franklin, oh, yeah. um, Warren Campbell, huge modern producers of gospel music and people who drastically changed the sound of gospel for the modern um, era. And sadly, as quiet as it's kept, have to shout out R. Kelly. Um, He's actually (laughs) penned a lot of gospel records for a lot of very well-known people. And it, I mean, God says his gifts are given without repentance, which means that he gives you the gift. I know. You have to make a decision what you do with it, but he's not going to take the gift back from you. And technically, if you think about it, God is is the creator God. Like Satan doesn't create anything. But havoc. So, you no. know, technically, <laughs> what you say? But havoc. <laughs> but havoc. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that word that um role you had as confusion. Oh. And um all that craziness oh, was going on, my. and your character was like. Well, Gosh. I think that went well. Right. Oh, I love that. I love that role. I literally learned that. It was so funny. What was it like three days of a script? I mean, like I learned that script in three days, I think, because I was supposed to be, I, I was hired just to do the makeup for the cast. So I still had to do the makeup for the cast. And I still oh, had wow. to learn these lines in three days because whoever was supposed Woo. to play that role kind of skipped out on them. So yeah, wow. that was... That's when my hats off to you. That is when something changed and clicked in my life in my brain because I'm like, how did you do mm-hmm. this? Because I had to do mm-hmm. it a couple mm-hmm. other times after that. So I was like, yeah, wow. yeah, no, yeah. His God, God gives his gift with gifts without repentance. And I'm sure if you started to look up the the gospel songs that R. Kelly wrote, you probably jammed to them, listened to them, were moved by them, um, and once you, I mean, like with any with anything, once you know who the artist is or the composer is or the writer is, you can usually start to hear elements of their sound um, or their writing style in the music. And Mm -hmm. if you think about 
a Kirk Franklin or a Warren Campbell. And Erica is a dynamic writer in her own right. When you listen to her body of music and the songs that she's written on, she's extremely diverse. And that to me, it, it, it gets no better than that as a writer. Like you can come on to a song and create a really great song, no matter the genre. But I um, take special pride in knowing that they make a lot of major contributions into the black gospel sound because quiet as it's kept just like it was in the 50s and the 60s gospel does contribute a lot to other genres and for your favorite singers it's usually the place where they get their singing chops so mm-hmm. there you go oh R. Kelly. all right <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I had to say that because, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't know that. And yeah, anyway. All right. So bringing yeah. up the rear, last but certainly not least in this equation, we are pitching it over to Complex Simplicity to close us out. Do you also have Nightlight tonight? You do, right? I do. You have it. Oh, I, yeah. I should have read the show notes a little bit closer. That's- <laughs> I was like, well, oh, I did it. I did I it last week. <laughs> Wait, look, look, look how they do it in church. The next voice you'll hear right. will be complex simplicity, followed by an A selection from Embrace. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's start here. Okay. So the first person I'm going to talk about is um, he is a poet. Um, she's an author of numerous children's books and poetry collections. But my favorite quote by her is, which I do have on the printed on the back of my young gifted and black hoodies is deal with yourself as an individual worthy of respect and make everyone deal with you the same way. Mm. Okay. Mm. (laughs) Um, So she, her honors include a fellowship from the national endowment of the arts in 1970 um, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Award for dedication and commitments to service. She had like three NCAA CP, Image Awards for Literature, Langston Hughes Awards for Distinguished Contributions to the Arts, as well as, like, she's been given the keys to multiple cities like New York, Los Angeles, Dallas, Miami, New Orleans. She's been named Woman of the Year by Essence, Mademoiselle Ebony, The Ladies' Home Journal. She was recipient of the Rosa Parks Women of Courage Award and served as a poetry judge for the National Book Awards and was a finalist for the Grammy Award in the category of Spoken Word. All right. And currently she's still doing her thing. She's teaching um, as a professor of Virginia Tech and she's taught there since 1987. This person is Nikki Giovanni. Um, Lover of Tupac. (laughs) Right, right. I think she's super dope. Um, I love her art. I love her commitment to the progress of poetry and activism. All in these things that I feel like myself as a as a young poet you know, spoken word artists that I can kind of walk in the path. And obviously we're not like in the same lane, right? Because she's not really a spoken word artist. She's more of like a for the page artist, but somebody has to do the groundwork in how you were saying like these these hymns that was written hundred years prior, they're, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same thing. It's like, even when, even with them just being willing to add spoken word category to these award shows, it's like people had to fight for this for years. years. And then the kind of trash thing is, if you didn't know, they put audio books in the same category. In the as same spoken category. Words. Spoken- so you have actual <clears throat> spoken word artists going against wow. like Obama's audio wow. book. And it's like, come on, that's the best selling book. Of course, people okay. are going to vote for Obama's audio book. And so it's like it 
it it's not doesn't give the work. respect that it deserves, right? But you know, progress is slow. Huh. Um, so always, is. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just grateful that they're even opening the doors and spaces, you know, for there to be something like that. And I am from Tennessee, but. Nikki Giovanni was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, She was raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. But then when she came back here, she went to Fisk. So, you know, big up to Tennessee. Right. All right. So um, my last person, which I say, I I wanted to go the opposite way because Nikki Giovanni is closer to me versus this person is not as close to the art that I do. But I feel like, eh, this person is from my home. Well, and while I'm not from Inglewood, Inglewood, Inglehood, I'm not from Inglewood, but <laughs> um, by way of Cali, Inglewood was down the streets, hop, skip, and jump. Um, you might know her. Her most notable statement recently on social media is, I'm rooting for everybody black. Um, well, okay. And am. Right. Um, so <laughs> Issa Rae is, is from an American actress, writer, and producer. She first got her attention from doing a series called awkward black girl on youtube where she was filming like these low budget episodes all over like south la okay can i ask Um, a question go ahead who was behind the couple what the couple the youtube series the couple who's behind the couple like who wrote it i never watched that Mm -mm. seriously all right yeah just gonna leave me out man if you listen (laughs) to this episode and you know dm us please (laughs) help us out like I feel like I got just, I, just got I kicked off the couch. for you. I mean, <laughs> no. I mean. No, it's okay. Keep going. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, so she, um, she basically, most notably, she's known for Insecure, which had its final season on mm-hmm. HBO. Mm-hmm. So it had like a five-year run. And she has said multiple times, like, she just didn't want to go at, she didn't want it to go past five years, but it was an incredible show that stayed true to the character and the person that she portrayed you know that awkward black girl and she really wanted it to be a great story about people with normal lives like hollywood Mm -hmm. tries so hard to stereotype black people into this category Mm -hmm. and it's like no like i just get to be i get to portray a bunch of normal people that just happen to be funny and so she got to write about these normal people that just happen to be funny but there was nothing special about them they were just people so she's just kind of been able to gather that through her writing and it's like hilarious situations, but it's stuff that situations we find ourselves in. It's like, you know, we say it's funny when it happened, but like <laughs> it would happen. It wouldn't be that funny. But she has a way of taking these normal everyday situations and being like, bro, that totally happened to you. And it could happen to me, too. And so, yeah, just for no reason. So the foolery. Right, right. You had so to be there moment. She says um, exactly. So she says um, for a long time, she defined herself by what she wasn't. And then her life changed when she focused on what she was and what she was good at, what she liked most about herself. And then it made her, it's what made her stand out. And so what she learned uh, to like her more than anybody else did. And so when she started liking herself more than others did, that she didn't have to worry about being the funniest or the most popular or the prettiest. Um, She was the best her that she could be. And that's, she's only tried to be that ever since. And so I identify with, I don't care about numbers. I don't care about popularity. I just want to be the best me I can be. And, um, I just, that's just how I live my life. And so when I see her out here, you know, young, black, gifted girl from Inglewood, it's like, man, well, woman from Inglewood, but taking that dream. And now, um, you know, she comes home. Uh, she uh co-owns one of the hilltops, which is a popular cafe. The food is crazy good. Um, but their their theme is like 
find your hilltop. And it's like, what is that place that you're trying to reach, that you're trying to strive to achieve to? And oh. so now there's two of them, I believe. I've been at both locations in Eaglewood. Love it there. Every time I go home, we usually stop by. But um, it's just dope that she's literally creating these spaces and these lanes for people who look like us. And um, especially when she has so many no's or she had pitched her ideas and they were trying to change uh, what mm-hmm. we now know as insecure and what it would have looked mm-hmm. like. And so writing about black people and and not having black people at the writer's table because that's just yes. not, that's how we get these stereotypes uh, that continue to perpetuate, you know, mm-hmm. going in. She felt like kind of like, I don't want to say ignorant to to this, to black people, but like the longer she's been in, in Hollywood, she just figured out there's just not black people <laughs> writing. So they're literally, it's literally ignorance. It's not purposeful ignorance. It's like really just ignorance because they don't know. Yeah. And so it's a deeper problem. And so she felt like, it was like racist or like stereotype. It's actually like a lot deeper than that because it's all been this misconstrued process yeah. in Hollywood for so long. So, so for the first time in 114 years recently, last weekend, I believe um, she was given the key to Inglewood. Um, it's never been given to anybody before. Oh, so 114 wow. years history in the city of Inglewood and she was given the wow. first key. So go black girl, go. Beautiful. Um, yeah. That's dope. Super dope. I was about to say something about bias in writing, but I'll save that for another episode. <laughs> when you were talking about um, them wanting her to change her, you know, her script, basically, um, Isabel Sanford, you know, Wheezy from the Jeffersons, <laughs> she was talking about how the director, the creator, the, the director of her show um, was writing stuff for her as a black woman. She's like telling him, we would never do that. Like, no, y'all need to change that. We wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say, how yeah. was your day? Like, I wouldn't say that. So <laughs> it's funny. But anyway. Advocating. Yeah, I know. I know we have to move on. <laughs> She's so passionate. We can stay on this topic. I am, for real. Yes. Yes. I think we're ready for Nightlight. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I had coffee too late in the day today. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) Nightlight. As we remember and or honor the lives of those who have made or is making a difference in the world, consider your dash, the small, seemingly Mm. insignificant dash between the year a person is born and the year one transitions. It is, in fact, the most important thing you could ever think about. Within this dash, you are not only given the opportunity to receive a life that is everlasting, but also the responsibility and how you impact the lives of others. Will you be remembered infamously for putting a bad taste in someone's mouth? Or will you be remembered for your positive light, your inspiration, your encouragement, your art, or your intelligence, the way you created with your hands or how you eloquently wrote or spoke life how will you be remembered if i said to you she didn't give up her seat you know who i was talking about if i said he had a dream you know who i was talking about if i said she used the underground railroad to free hundreds of slaves you may know who i'm talking about if i say he was the first black president of the united states of america i hope you know who i'm talking about We all have a story, every single one of us. And I know the dash looks so small on paper 
or on a tombstone, but it's your entire life. How will you be remembered? This message is for me as much as it is for the next person. So let us resurrect our gifts, our purpose, whatever it is that you're called to do. Maybe you're already operating in your purpose. Praise God. Don't lose the flame. Give it oxygen. Watch it grow. It will change lives, events, mindsets, hearts, strongholds. The grave is rich, but the treasure in you is richer. The soil is fertile. Your life means everything and everything you do affects it. So consider your dash. How will you be remembered? And that's Nightlight. Ooh. Yo, that was so good. Ooh. Yeah. That was Happy hey. Black History Month, people. Yes. Right. Black, 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 black on black. Everything black. black. Everything black, black, black. No. Because <laughs> yes. I'm black, y'all. And I'm black, y'all. And I'm blickety, blickety, <laughs> I'm, black, I'm black, y'all. Because I'm black, y'all. <laughs> okay, so whether you glitter. <laughs> right. Glow. Illuminate your melanin. Okay. Or shine. Or shine. Keep chasing the light. light, Just keep chasing the light. Yes. Love you. you. (laughs) Hugs and hugs. Today's show is brought to you by the Chasing Light team. Complex Simplicity, Trisha, Alicia, and Embrace. The music you hear is by Brozart. The research was done by all three of the young ladies. Editing by Shantae M. King. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen... Keep chasing the light.